Hello and welcome to another episode of the Livius Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. And today I've got a returning guest, uh, one of my uh, favorite guests, uh, a personal friend, uh, Christy Davin. How are you doing, Christy? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. So I wanted to bring you back because um, I, I wanted to talk about a topic I think that y- you would have a lot of experience discussing, and uh, both in your role as a, uh, a teacher in, in your uh, in, in your early professional life and as a parent, and that topic is senior year slide. Um, so before we get started talking, uh, just to define senior year slide, the idea is that a student, uh, as they've started senior year and they applied to college and now they're starting to get results back and they take their foot off the gas pedal and they risk uh, grades slipping uh, in the last half of the year, which uh, could have consequences, which I think we should talk about. So before we uh, dive into any uh, talks, uh, topics about this, is there anything else about senior year slide that you wanted to, uh, in terms of the definition of it in your experience? Um, I think what might be helpful is if we determine kind of the, the deadlines for all of that. Like we're talking, which this is not just May and June we're talking about, right? Because right. most of the applications are handed in or submitted in January, if not November. Right. And so for some kids who have applied early decision, um, they might throw a couple of safeties, I guess, in, in January. But I think that um, for some families, there may be a misconception that we're just talking about the last month of school, but we're not. Right. And that, that actually is a really good point, um, especially given the experience that both you and I have had this current school year. For those of you uh, who might be picking up this podcast some years down the line, it's uh, the winter of 2019, heading into spring of 2019. Uh, I have seen more students apply early action, early decision, um, early in general this year than I have ever seen before. It's been quite surprising to me. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, I assume you've had a similar experience this year. Yeah, especially with one of our bigger school partnerships who um, they were expecting about an 80%. The kids had said, about 80% of them said they were going to apply early. um, And that number was a little bit false, but still the number I think was still 60%. Am I right there? Right. It was about uh, 80% of students who committed to do it and 60% did follow through. But that's still very high compared to years past. And that's just one school. But a lot of the schools that, um, that... produce students with whom we get to work in, in our day job, uh, you know, at, at, in, at Livius, uh, you know, public high schools, private high schools, a larger, larger percentage. It used to be quite the rare thing. Only a few top students would apply early. And now it's, you know, some schools it's 20, 30 percent. Some schools it's topping 50 percent of the students are applying early to at least one college, if not more. Well, and we should note, I don't want to get too much off track, but I do want to note um, the reason for that. Sure. Um, the reason for that, and you're more of an expert than I, but my understanding is that um, a lot of the schools, even the most competitive schools, um, the percentage of people who are accepted when they apply early is much higher. The kids have a better chance because the colleges are more likely to accept somebody who shows that sort of commitment to right. to attending that school. Right. And, and there's a couple things I think I want to break down there. Um, the percentage of applicants who apply early who are accepted is higher, either a little bit to a lot depending on the school, but that's because students applying earlier tend to be the students who who have 
better grade point averages, higher GPAs, who've taken more AP classes, who have higher test scores, and are ready to commit to a particular school. And uh, that's the difference. So if you're not a student who has those factors and you're applying early to Stanford because you figure, oh, it's a gamble, I have a better gamble at it, that's not going to help you. No, but for some kids who might be on the edge, doesn't that right. demonstrated interest possibly make a difference for them? If they're on the edge, maybe. Okay. Maybe. It's, right. it's, it's, the thing is, if, if you were iffy about getting into that school with regular admission, applying early isn't going to be the thing that, that tips you over the, the edge. Okay. It really is about picking the school that is the perfect fit for you and telling that school through demonstrated interest, whether it's applying early, uh, following them on Twitter and Instagram, um, communicating with the uh, admissions office, with faculty, visiting campus multiple times. It's all of those factors tell a story of your demonstrated interest. And I think that that's the misconception about applying early. And again, we've done uh, previous episodes on that. Check that out. Uh, we, we have one that posted, I think, like two, three weeks ago on early, the, the myths and rumors about early admission. So I think a lot of folks at home listening should check that one out if you haven't already. So I think that, that those, but those myths and rumors are what lead people to apply early and have led to so many more people applying early and it's such a greater percentage at some of the more um, financially, uh, <clears throat> the high schools that have student populations that are more well-off socioeconomically. So between that and the fact that those uh, deadlines are in November and um, schools are setting up, and the average college is setting up their regular admission deadline a little bit earlier. Back in the day, the deadlines tended to be a little bit later, late January, early February. There were some schools that had March 1st deadlines back when we were applying to college <clears throat> in years past. And nowadays, the vast majority of schools, their regular deadline is December 30th, January 1st, January 5th, January 15th. Very few schools have late regular deadlines anymore. Do you think that's because there are so many more applicants? I mean, I know that we've talked about that yeah. as well, that the, yeah. the number of people applying to colleges and, and because of things like Naviance and the Common App, it's so much easier that each, right. each applicant not doesn't just apply to four anymore. They're applying to 14, which right. means that the colleges have that much more work with regard to looking through those applications. You are absolutely right. It is a direct consequence of not only are more and more students applying to college. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, but the percentage of high school students uh, graduating, attending college at all, going to college, has topped 70%. Back in the day, and we're talking like the 1980s, it was hovering around 30%. And so it's a huge difference culturally with students who, um, if they were alive 100 years ago, would not even have thought about applying to college, much less attending. Mm -hmm. So there's so many more students who are graduating high school applying to and going to at least a little bit of college. Not all of that 70% of high school graduates attending college as a freshman finish school, but 70% of high school graduates on average recently have been attending some level of college. Okay. So that's doubled the number of people going to college, applying to college. And... That has also uh, meant that more and more students are reaching for the stars. Uh, the number of people who uh, apply to Harvard, for example. Now, I use Harvard a lot just because everyone's heard of it. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1980s, around 5,000 students applied to Harvard and about 1,000 1, got in. So that was a 25% acceptance rate at Harvard. Nowadays, Harvard accepts about 2,000 freshmen and they have about 40,000 applicants. So the number of applicants has octupled 
in the last 30 plus years. So a lot of schools are seeing that. And you're right, uh, when I applied to college back in the late 80s, early 90s, I applied to seven schools, and that was on the high end for um, the honors and AP population that I was a part of at my high school, my public high school. Um, the average number of schools that students apply to today has topped 10. That's average. And there are stories of students applying to 15 or 20 colleges. Because it's just so easy to hit that button on yep. the Common App once yep. you've got, if they take the Common App, the general Common App, and don't have any, or even if they do have an extra essay, it's just one more thing. I mean, right. I remember back in the day, I think I applied to more than my average, um, more than average, but you had to fill it out by hand. Mm -hmm. It was or um, type it, which was a hassle because lining it up lining with, a, <laughs> with, a, with a typewriter. We're really dating ourselves. Yeah, well, it was was like not worth the effort, so you did it by hand. For sure. And so when I did seven, I spaced it out over three months to fill them all out. Mm -hmm. I didn't apply early anywhere, and between September to December, I just kind of did a little bit every day because it was such a hassle to do it by hand in blue or black ink only. Right. Um, now you're right, the Common App, and even though there's a, I don't know, between the Common App and the Universal App, there's probably around 1,000 to 1,200 colleges that accept these um, group applications, which means there's probably another 2,800 colleges and universities in the country that don't. So even though there's still more <laughs> schools that don't accept the Common App than do, um, it's once you've entered all that data, it's no big deal to kind of copy and paste it into the individual application for the for the college or university that isn't on the Common App. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's it, and then again, once you write your essay, a lot of the schools have similar essay questions. Um, the, the general essay question, a lot of students reuse their Common App essay for the individual schools. And then you have the the short answer questions, which tend to be very similar. In you know, what do you? Why do you want to go to our school? Well, you know, that's if you do a good job of those, they're they're pretty quick. They're only about 100, 200 words. So once you get through this intense process, where the application deadlines are earlier and earlier, you're right. It's not just May and June. It's now December. You filled out all your applications, or it's January. You've submitted them all in, in before the January first deadline. And you've got like a third of your school year still left to go, or half. Mm. A lot of the, a lot of almost every deadline is before midterms now. So once you get through the midterm rush, all of a sudden you've got half a school year left, and emotionally, a lot of seniors feel like they're done. They're done. I'm done with high school. I've submitted my applications for college. I'm looking ahead, and of course the answer is. No. <laughs> right, because the, the key word there is feel like they're yeah. done, but they're not actually done. You're not done until you cross that stage in your capping gown and flip that, that tassel from one side to the other, in my opinion. So maybe before we talk about how to combat senior slide, maybe we can talk about um, what the consequences are. Of sure. It. So if, sure. Um, if an applicant is done mid-January, let's say. Yeah. And they've got till I know school years for seniors always end earlier anyway. A lot of seniors are out right. in May. Um, you know, graduation is like the first week in June, but the, mm -hmm. the, the last two or three weeks are celebrations and um, commemorative things. Right. But there's a consequence between that date in January where you've submitted transcripts and essays right. and all of those things. And let's say that applicant just doesn't do a lick. After that, maybe they show up to school, but don't right. do anything else. Let's talk about what happens if, if they do that. So let me frame it in terms of this. Um, why do high schools more and more these days end the senior year before the rest of the school year? 
Uh, depending on where you go to school, schools where we are in New England tend to end in mid to late June. I lived in California for 10 years and taught there for a long time. School, school year tends to end in early June there. And so the seniors get out at the end of May. And graduation is like May 30th. And they do that because they want the seniors and all the 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 uncertainty that goes with senior slide to be handled before they have to deal with the rest of the freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. They do that because there are going to be those seniors who've messed up their senior year and they need time to fix it. Now, they can't have the end of the school year for seniors too early because many <coughs> seniors are taking AP classes and AP exams and those are set nationally by the college board in mid-May. So. A lot of seniors are taking AP classes, and of course, you're, maybe it's the student who's not doing the AP programs, the student who's not interested in academic achievement, who's worried, who, who has to worry about this summer slide, but I've seen some of those students too. Some of those AP students are like, I did it, I don't need to worry about it, who cares what I get on my AP, it doesn't really matter, and uh, they let that slide happen. So the consequences to start with, in my opinion, are... Uh, if you're in one of those AP classes, uh, you're jeopardizing your chance to get college credit and to finalize your application. What they, a lot of students don't realize is even after a college accepts you and you get a lot of that notification by April or in December if you've applied early action, uh, a college can rescind an acceptance. They can say, oh, you decided to take the rest of your senior year off and now you failed two classes oh, well, you are no longer a student at this university. See ya. Is that a condition usually spelled out in the acceptance letter? Yes. Okay. Yes. The colleges are pretty clear about that. They want you to know that if you uh, mess it up, and again, it's not just about grades. It's like if you go joyriding, you're still 17, and, and you're drinking alcohol and and You've seen drunk on Facebook driving. doing beer bongs and stuff. Weren't there some kids who... Yeah. There's things like that. If you're caught cheating on an exam or cheating on the SAT, like anything that is in violation of the school's honor code, mm -hmm. in addition to academic reasons, they can rescind uh, acceptance. There have been students who've committed crimes their senior year, uh, whether it's uh, sexual assault, drunk driving, things of that nature, where the college has said, well, you know what, you've shown us uh, in terms of your lack of moral fortitude that you really ought not to be a student at our university. So, you know, sorry, bub, we're, we're, we're rescinding acceptance. And a lot of people will talk about this in terms of student athletes who've gotten scholarships and student athletes have lost scholarships. Um, and yes, that happens, but if that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just like any old student will be told, thank you, no, you're gone because you've lost our respect, you violated the honor code. And so there's a lot of reasons why a school can rescind acceptance. And right now we're really just, I want to, I think we've been focusing on the academic part of it. No, but it's a really good point because I know that um, there has been, there have been some stories in the news lately of kids who, um, and it's actually, I like the way you put it, um, part of the honor code because I believe that once a college, let's say UMass has accepted you, uh -huh. you are now um, held accountable to their honor code, whether, right. as if you were already a student there. Right. So if you can't, before you accept or before you start there, if you can't already adhere to their honor code, that they would hold you to 
on right. campus. The minute the minute you say say yes, I I accept your offer of admission. Here's my deposit. I'm signing the form saying I accept your financial aid offer. Mm-hmm. You're a student there, right? In their mind, you're a part of the community, and they have to protect their reputation. They have to protect their their brand. They have to protect the the image of that university. And if you're still in senior year, and so you're like. All right, it's senior prom. Let's go, you know, commit some crimes by doing illegal drugs and drunk driving because, gosh darn it, crime is so much fun. They're going to say, well, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. That's that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people who are dedicated to the values of our university, to the, the to the honor of our university, and to their edu- their own education. These students are dedicated to their own education. And so that's, I think, the worst consequence is losing <clears throat> that uh, admission to the school of your choice. Now, I don't want to return to the academic part just for a Please, second. Please, I was about to do the same. The question just occurred to me. Do different colleges have different qualifications or guidelines or, or, or boundaries? So, for instance, um, College A says, you're accepted as long as you graduate. As long as you're passing all your classes right. and you graduate, then you're in. Right. Or do some of them say, you're in as long as your GPA doesn't go down? I mean, do they have different rules and regulations for that? Yeah, I, I, they do, I think. And, it, and again, it, it, because there's 4,000 colleges in the country and they're of all different levels, all different kinds, the rules vary a lot. Yeah, that so makes sense. I, I can't speak to any one school, but <coughs> a lot of schools, you know, they, they're, they're, admission is always conditional. It's conditional on minimum graduating high school. So if you're applying to community college or a low-end state school, uh, yeah, it's dependent on you just graduating. Mm -hmm. Again, you're probably applying to low-end, less expensive schools. I mean, some people who want to go to Harvard and can go to Harvard choose to go to Bunker Hill Community College first because they want to save the money the first two years. But laying aside that situation, which we've talked about in the past Mm -hmm. uh, here on the podcast, I had an episode about the um, community college path. Uh, as a viable path for some people, the people who are going to community college because they, they don't have the grades or they didn't have the commitment in high school to get into a more prestigious competitive school, uh, that's, that community college just wants them to graduate high school. But if you get into a, a top flight college because you have a 4 point something, you know, 4.2 weighted GPA and you, you know, ping the top of the range on your SAT or ACT scores and you have multiple AP classes and you have good grades on your AP tests and you're a captain of this and president of that club and so Tufts or you know UCLA or Michigan or Georgetown is accepting you based on that and then your GPA crashes and burns senior year, yeah, they can say, you're not the person we thought you were. We feel like you lied to us. Goodbye. So that can't happen. The more prestigious a school, the more it is about maintaining that GPA senior year and not showing that you're going to slack off when and take your eye off the ball. So I guess the lesson learned there is if you accept UCLA or Michigan, you need to be very clear on what their continued expectation is of yes. your performance before you um, before you mess it up. And whether we're talking about private universities like the <clears throat> Ivy Leagues or Georgetown or Boston University or public universities like UCLA, Michigan, uh, Cal Berkeley, you know, these are all schools that if you look up, and it's only one metric, it's only one place, there's a lot of different ways to value schools, but one of the most famous ones and the most common ones is the U.S. News and World Report annual listings. Those are all schools that are in the top 30 top 50 colleges in the country. And 
Again, the United States has 4,000 colleges or universities. We have more than any other nation on Earth. Um, our top schools are the top schools on the planet. So the United States is famous for its colleges. So when I say a Harvard or a Yale or a Georgetown or a Michigan or a UCLA or Cal Berkeley, these are some of the best schools on the planet. They have a reputation to maintain. If you slack off senior year and your GPA crashes and burns, they are not going to put up with that. You know, unless your daddy is Bill Gates and has donated a building and, and you're going to live in the Gates dormitory, no. It's not going to work that way. It doesn't matter who you are. They're going to say, no, goodbye. You know, you've got to maintain that because they accepted you on the, on the, on the promise of excellence. Mm-hmm. And you were showing that excellence whether through your grades or your scores or your, or your uh, story you were telling, your personal narrative, and probably all three. So they want you to maintain that. And that's the biggest consequence. That's why I keep bringing it back to that, is that you will lose admission to your school. And of course, you also brought up the other one, which is failing to graduate high school. You know, I mean, here's the thing. No matter how good your grades are through junior year, if you fail classes and don't meet the state-mandated requirements, you don't graduate. Right. If, if you fail math your senior year and you're in the school system, in your city or in your state requires four years <coughs> of math and you have only finish three years of math, you don't graduate. And then all of a sudden you're scrambling maybe to take classes over the summer. Right. And yeah. you're in the college, you know, it's still at their discretion whether or not they will let you come even if you complete the requirements. Correct. I mean, summer. you could sweet talk them and you could say, well, look, you know, you accepted me for an athletic scholarship and the situation happened and I messed up. Can, you, can I fix it? You can sweet talk a college into not withdrawing admission and acceptance. But... You can't sweet-talk graduation, especially at a public high school. Sure. It's the law. There are rules. Okay, so if you're ready, what I want to do is uh, move on, and I don't mean to usurp the, your your No, it's okay. Of no, it's podcast, okay. But I'm, I'm really interested now that we know what the consequences are and, and the damage you can do, how to avoid it, how so, to avoid doing that damage. So the big thing is a lot of people fall into senior year slide uh, because of burnout. And so my big piece of advice for people is don't overload yourself senior year. I mean, the idea is as you go through high school and you, and you learn more about what interests you and you do more and more stuff, don't blow yourself up. Um, you don't have to take all AP classes senior year, especially if it's not in an area that interests you. If you're a science person and you want to be a doctor, take that AP bio, take that AP chem, take maybe AP calc, but do you have to also take AP US history? Now, again, I'm, and I'm saying this as a person who took AP US. Mm-hmm. I love US history. History is my thing. If, you're, if it's not your thing, why make yourself go crazy? Well, and especially since some schools allow you to take APs earlier, right? Can yeah. you space out your AP exams? You can take them. Some schools even sophomore year maybe? Some, but, some. I, but junior even, year, senior year? I even know of a few schools when I lived in California that let students take APs as early as freshman year. Oh, wow. But that's pretty rare. It's usually most schools restricted to junior and senior year, and then a large number of schools restricted to senior year. So don't you don't have to overload yourself. I mean, if you are applying to a college and your high school does not let you take APs until your senior year, the colleges know that. And if you only get to take two or three instead of four or five, like some of your uh, cousins or neighbor people in neighboring towns, they're, they're going to know that. They, they're not going to hold it against you. They're aware of these foibles. That's the whole point of your guidance counselor or college counselor writing a letter of recommendation that is a little less personal than the one you get from your teacher or a third party. So they're going to know this. So don't overload yourself. And, and, and again, you don't have to be president of every club. 
the whole point of what we've been talking about with the personal narrative is to pick the few things that really matter to you and going all the way in those. You know, if it's if it's you know politics or your interest in, and join the debate team, join the po po political science club, join student government, but you don't also have to be in every musical and join all the football, you know, and 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 sports ball teams. Mm -hmm. Like, pick the thing that that you love. And do it. Don't have to do everything. Don't overload yourself. That is the biggest piece of advice for avoiding a senior year slide. Are there any some any things? Okay, let's say they did line themselves up for all of this stuff, and they feel like they can't keep up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm concerned about students. Who are like, I still need to do that because they need to see when I apply in January that the classes that I chose for the second half of the year are still consistent or something. And right. I mean, you do want to do that, but the thing is, is that. Use your breaks wisely. Use vacations wisely. A lot of schools these days do not allow teachers to give homework over holiday breaks. So I know students like to, you know, parents, sometimes they can go on vacations or they take like event, they do events or they have sports tournaments over the break. But, but use your, your downtime wisely. Self-care is important. You know, you need a mental break. Uh, if you've, you know, caught up on your homework, uh, it's okay to take a day off. It's okay. It's a good thing to take a day off. I think that that is important. Um, again, burnout is the result of not doing that. The other thing is um, there's the three most important words in the English language. And uh, for those of you listening at home, uh, whenever you listen to this, just know that we are recording this on February 14th. So there is with a full understanding of the irony of me saying this. Um, I believe the three most important words in the English language are ask for help. Ask for help. There are no other three words that are as important as that. So if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, ask for help. Many schools have uh, academic centers, tutoring centers on campus, or the SPED department. The people who work in the SPED department, yes, it is their job to work with students who have learning issues, learning difficulties, but they're there and they will help you if you are an advanced student who just wants a, an extra hand. That, they, they love to do that. Uh, every person I've met who's, who's trained in SPED loves to help students who, are, who need help. Uh, your parents... Even if they can't help you academically because it's not their interest, they don't have the skills to do it, uh, if they have the wherewithal, they will help you find, whether it's free or paid tutoring services, neighbors, friends, professional tutors, to help you get help. Oh, get help. Well, and again, to me, it keeps coming back to understanding what the requirement is for you for that particular institution. If yeah. you've accepted at College A and College A says... You know, you can't, uh, if you've got a 4.2 weighted GPA, you can't drop below a 3.2 weighted GPA or something. As long as you know what the expectation is, then you can make sure to meet right. that. Right. Instead of, if you've got a 4.2 and they're just saying, you know, we just want to make sure that you have a, a, above a 3, then you don't have to beat yourself up make, maintaining 4.2. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying to accept mediocrity. I'm just trying to manage the stress that these kids seem to continually put on right. themselves. Right. I mean, the thing is... Rather than worrying about all those details, just try and maintain what you've got. Don't try and improve your GPA senior year. Don't try to overload. Don't, you're not impressing anyone. You're just driving yourself crazy. Maintain. You know, you're coming in for the landing. Maintain your speed and, and altitude. Okay. Don't do tricks. Don't try and go for loop de loops. <laughs> As a person who does not know how to fly, I'm using a lot of aeronautical uh, metaphors here. But don't do loop de loops. Maintain speed and altitude senior year. That's that's I think the best way to think of it. Don't go advice. into all the details. So I think that kind of covers what we wanted to talk about. Definitely. And is there anything else on your mind before I wrap it up? No, um, I think that this was really helpful. Thank you. 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening at home, and thank you, Christy, for being here with me. My I pleasure. always appreciate a good conversation. Uh, if you like this episode, please remember to heart, star, fave, thumb up, whatever your app of choice lets you do. You can always share this uh, this podcast episode. Hit that share sheet. Send it out to all your friends, neighbors, family members, colleagues, coworkers. Even say share it with your enemies because that shows them uh, how smart you are. Um, and of course, you can subscribe. That lets you get episodes downloaded to your device right away. You don't have to search us out every time. If you do have a question or comment or just want to talk to us, you can hit us up on our Twitter feed, at Livia's Pod. If you ask a question, we'll try and answer it right away. And if we get enough really good questions, we can do a whole episode on answering those questions. Thank you so much. And as always, let's keep learning.